Um, thanks for being here today. On a serious note, it always amazes me as I'm watching the videos and seeing the people working in the back and all the music that goes into this and how thoughtful people are in preparing for this day. I mean, the songs and how they're going to connect here because Daniel's very specific about that and the prayer that is going on in the morning. So I just want to thank everybody who's been a part of that and uh, making God's message go forth. So I appreciate Andy and the church giving me a chance to share a little bit about Joseph, which is one of my favorite stories. Um, I feel like it's a true underdog story, and as somebody who grew up watching tons of movies, and I know that's not everybody in here, my wife hardly watched TV and movies, but is there anybody in here who is a cinephile and just loved it? Okay, so I have two, three, four people. Um, Cinderella Man, anybody? It's so good, so good. Um, Russell Crowe, one of my favorite actors, plays James J. Braddock. And for those of you who don't know, this is based on a true story. When he was 21, his boxing career began, and he was 44, 2-2. Two two. That's pretty good. He had a great start to his career when he was young, and then in a series of unfortunate fights, he broke his hand, and this happened to be going on at the same time as the Great Depression. So you have the Great Depression hitting. He starts losing his strength in his hand. He keeps trying to fight through because he's got to make money, which makes it worse. And him and his family end up losing the power in their house. They get to the point where they're taking milk and mixing it with water. And dad will just say, here's the rest of the food. And he won't eat for a couple days because that's what Jimmy James Braddock is going to do to support his family. Goes down to the docks and he's trying to put in any work he can. And it's really luck of the draw. I mean, it's we'll take you, we'll take you, we'll take you, we'll take five or ten people. The rest of you go home. And so we're going to watch a clip here in a second, but I just wanted to give you the backdrop that he started doing so well, and life was going great, and then through a series of a handful of mishaps, he's at a bottom point in his life, and this is where we pick up with a short little clip here from Cinderella Man. Hey, Dad. Hey. No shifts today, Dad. What are you doing, son? I'm being good. I'm being quiet. I'm being hafe. Great. <laughs> Daddy! Daddy! Hey, Rosie Cheek! How you doing? Daddy! Jay Star! What? Jay Star. What's all this about? See? It's a salon. Young lady, your brother's in enough trouble without you telling on him. You understand? from the butchers, and he won't say a word about it, will you, Jay? Will you, Jay? Okay, pick it up, let's go. Do not test me, boy. Right now. Howard, stay here. Johnson had to go away to Delaware to live with his uncle. Why? His parents didn't have enough money for them to eat. 
Yeah, well, things ain't easy at the moment, Jay. You're right. There's a lot of people worse off than what we are. And just because things ain't easy, that don't give you the excuse to take what's not yours, does it? That's stealing, right? We don't steal. No matter what happens, we don't steal. Not ever. You got me? Are you giving me your word? Yes. Go on. I promise. And I promise you, we will never send you away. <laughs> it's okay, kid. You got a little scared, I understand. So he went from 44 and 2 and having plenty of money for his family to be in that situation where in this movie and really everything in life totally changes as you go from being maybe single to married or married to now I have a one and a half year old. I'm like, what would I do in that situation if I had a son who was frightened of being sent away because that's what has happened to his friends and they brought home a ton of salami. How easy would it have been for him to have just said, all right, now I get to feed my kids and he could have kept it. Nobody would have known. But he showed integrity. He knew that he stood for something different, and he still had hope that they would be able to make it out. So how does this connect to Joseph and Genesis? Well, if you were with us last week, Andy talked about how the, the different struggles that he's gone through. Joseph was the favored child of Jacob. He got the special, the special coat of many colors. Um, he even received visions from God that his brothers didn't necessarily like. Um, Joseph had these visions that he was going to be in a place of authority or a position above his brothers. And so what did his brothers do? Like any good brother, tried to sell him into slavery. Well, that was after they were going to kill him. But they're like, well, we can make money off of him. Let's sell him and let's take his, his coat and let's put some blood on there and be like, Dad, he's dead. We're so sorry. And they sell him into slavery. And so that seems like it's a complete low, but he trusts God. He doesn't harbor hate against his brothers. And his master at that point, Potiphar, um, elevates him to like number two in command. So you have this up and down, up and down, and things are going great for him. And just when you think life is great, God was with him, is what it says in the text in Genesis 39. Potiphar's wife says, you should sleep with me. And he, being a man of integrity, nobody would have seen or would have known, said, no, I'm not going to dishonor God first and foremost. And I'm not going to dishonor my, my master here who has treated me well. She grabs his cloak. He flees from sexual immorality and his coat gets left behind. So he just runs out naked, which that's just crazy that that's in the Bible. People don't think it's an interesting book. There's lots of interesting things. Um, and so Potiphar has to look at this situation, and here's a, a foreign Israelite, and then my wife claiming that he tried to make advances, and so puts him in jail. And so he goes there, and today we're going to learn about in that low, that valley, that God was still with him. Um, and so that's kind of what's been going on. He has the integrity. He's following God even in the midst of these difficult circumstances. And so what we're going to look at today is when those difficult circumstances come your way, what hope do we have? And then a secondary thing is always a goal of mine. When we're reading the Old Testament, where do we see Jesus? Because I believe that he is present in every aspect of the Bible, not just the New Testament. So what hope do we have when life throws difficult circumstances our way? And how do we see Jesus in the Old Testament? 
Um, so whether you're feeling awesome today, you're like, I feel so connected with God, or you're feeling beat down um, like he and his family were in Cinderella Man, um, I just want to pray real quick that God would speak to all of us, whether we're in the, the high mountaintops or if we're in the valley. So if you'll pray with me before we get into Genesis 40. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We know that you are with us no matter what circumstances we're in. And that's really easy to say, but I pray that we would believe that today and that as we get into your word, we would learn to have patience through our circumstances and that we would trust you and know that we have hope in you, Lord. Um, So it's in your name we pray. So if you have your Bibles and want to open up to Genesis 40, um, and while you're getting there, I'm big on acronyms. That's kind of how I learned growing up. It helped me memorize the planets and different things with math. And so for today, our acronym is going to be HOPE. And so we're going to look at hardships. And as Andy always says, and I like this, if you don't have any hardships right now, be of good cheer. It's going to come your way. So we're going to look at hardships. And yet in the midst of those, how we have an opportunity to glorify God, to connect with others. And yet that's not in our timing. And so we have to pee, have patience. And eventually when God does answer the prayer, and I'm guilty of this, I never exalt God and lift him up and praise him because of what he's done in my life. So hope, opportunity, patience, and exalting God. If you've been going through the Old Testament with us in Genesis so far, there's lots of hardship, right? And we just clearly went over those with Joseph, being sold into slavery, accused of adultery, and through all of these things, he's done nothing wrong. And yet he's going through those hardships. Um, And so today, when we get into Genesis 40, verses 1 through 8, we see he has an opportunity to connect with the people around him and to honor God. And so, verses 1 through 8, we're going to put up here. Sometime later, this is after he's been thrown in jail, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in the prison, had a dream the same night, and each had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God, tell me your dreams. So the first thing I noticed there is he's in prison, he's not in the best of situations, and yet he sees these two guys get thrown into jail, and he chooses to engage with them. Well, how does this apply to us? I think about me being at work and how often a student or another teacher walks by, and you can just see it, right? You all know that coworker, friend, family member who you come across, and you're like, they just look like they're down today. And it's so easy to just say, okay, and just walk away. And I know it's Sometimes it feels awkward to engage people with where they're at, but he sees an opportunity, and I pray that we would see opportunities in our daily life to interact with people in the midst of their hardships. Um, And so he's in a hardship. He could choose to focus on that, but instead he's trying to see what God has for him, even in the midst of prison. So he engages these two guys, and in the next verses, in 9 through 13, which we're just going to paraphrase here, uh, he interprets the cupbearer's dream. And basically, it's in three days, you're going to be lifted out of this situation, and you're going to be restored to that position with the Pharaoh, and things are going to be great for you. 
So, of course, he's super excited. He's like, this is a great dream. Three days later, I'm going to be basically resurrected out of the sentence for the rest of my life. Oh, my gosh. And that's where we pick up in 14 and 15, right? Joseph helped him out, and this next part seems logical to me. So he tells him, hey, you're going to be out of here in three days. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention, to, mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land to the, of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to, to deserve being put in a dungeon. So I mean, all he asks is, hey, I interpreted this dream. It'd be really nice if you could mention me to Pharaoh. I've been here in jail. I've done nothing wrong. I just want to reiterate that I'm innocent. And if you could just help a brother out. I really don't want to be in jail anymore, right? And so then the baker's like, wow, he interprets these dreams pretty great. I hope there's some good news for me. Hey, can you interpret my dream? And Joseph says, this is the interpretation that I get from God. In three days, you're going to have your head cut off, and then they're going to impale you on a pole. And that's verses 16 through 19. Now, when I looked at that, I'm like, that seems so harsh. But God's in control of both of those circumstances. Both the interpretations are from God. And sometimes, right, when you want good news, the good news doesn't come your way. I'm not saying you're going to be impaled or anything like that. But sometimes you get the good news. Sometimes you get the bad news. And the hard part is that sometimes God is going to work through both of those. And so the end of this chapter in verses 20 to 23, he's given his dream interpretations that God has allowed him to do through his gifts And he says, now on the third day, when Pharaoh's birthday, sorry, now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Awesome. I'm following God's will for my life. I'm connecting with him. I'm assuming that Joseph is here when it says in 39, God was with him. He's praying to him. He's trusting and hoping in God. I interpret these dreams. I help this guy out. And he's going to go and not mention anything to Pharaoh. Come on, God. I mean, does anybody feel like that at times? Right? I'm, I'm doing all these good things. I'm, I'm following you. Why are the, the bills not checking out? Why are we still struggling financially? Why is my mother still sick? Why, if I'm following you, God, having Bible studies on Tuesday nights, coming up here and preaching when Andy asks me, why would you have us get pregnant for six weeks and then have a miscarriage? That's what we went through. And my wife and I are still processing through that. And we trust God. And we can say that, but on a daily basis, do we actually look in the midst of this hardship for an opportunity and have patience when it feels like we're doing all of the right things and yet God's not answering that. And it's easy to just be mad at God and frustrated with him and say, why aren't you coming through? But that's the third part of hope. We have to have patience. Genesis 41, 1 through 13. We'll see if we have some hope here. When two full years had passed, so he's been in prison, they had that interaction, and then two more years he's in prison after this event. I'd be frustrated. Two years is a long time to wait. If my prayers don't get answered in a week, I'm frustrated. And you're laughing because you're like, I know, me too. So Genesis 41 here, 1 through 13. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, 
and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, come up, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Pretty weird dream. Fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And the things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Two years, right? Had to have been frustrating, and yet he trusted in God, and I'm sure it wasn't easy at times. What are you going through right now? How can you have patience? And that's probably the hardest thing. I teach at North Star and coach, and holy cow, it's frustrating. It really is to have patience when you give opportunity after opportunity um, to people, and it seems like nothing is changing. Um, and so my prayer and hope for you all is that if you're going through a circumstance like my wife and I are right now and you're struggling with that to have patience, can you trust in God? And we'll get more to why he is worth trusting in. So two years in prison and finally, verses 14 through 16. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. When I read that, I'm like, after two years, I probably, one, would have just stopped trusting in God. And I'd be like, heck yeah, I can interpret your dreams. I got this. And would have put it on me. And yet after two years, he says, it's not my ability. It's what God can do. So he's gone through the hardship. He's looked for opportunities to help others to trust in God. He's demonstrated patience. And when God comes through, what does he do? He exalts God and lifts him up on high. He gives God the credit for his gifts and abilities and anything he accomplishes all because of God. I wish I could have that humility. Way too often I attribute life's successes and if things are going well to me. But all those good gifts are from God and we need to give him the credit that he is due. So in verse 17 to 24, we're not going to read that because it would be the same as verses 1 through 13. Pharaoh says, here's my dream, and he recounts it. But in verse 25 to 32 here, Joseph gives his interpretation. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. 
The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Can you go back two verses to verse 30? Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. One, both of these are from God. Seven years of abundance, kind of like a feasting season, and seven years of famine, hardship. Both are from God. Both are a part of his will. Both are a part of his plan. And we love when it's the feast season, right? And some of us might be in that. Finances are going well. You're healthy. Your family relationships, your friendships are going really, really well. What are you doing in that season? Are you just kind of coasting and life's good? Or are you attributing that to God and you're still connecting with him and staying faithful to his word, to prayer, and exalting him because he is responsible for all of those good things? But what if you're in the famine right now? Do you feel forgotten? Oftentimes, you know, I think about, I have a one and a half year old son who's hilarious and tons of fun. But in the midst of this hardship, right, this famine, I have forgotten all that God has done for me. And it's so easy to do that, to in your present circumstances, be so focused on them that you don't see the big picture. And I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect in this, but this verse is super connected to, I think, what I'm going through and probably many of us. When you're in the famine, it's so easy to forget about the abundance and the great things God has done for you. So I'd like to challenge you here this morning, if that's you, can you reflect on the good things God has done in your life? In my classroom, we do hunt the good stuff two or three times a week, something the military does to combat the stress and fatigue of the the things that they go through. It's one of the three best things going on in your day or week, depending on how we do it in class. And doing something as simple as that, but biblically, like what has God done today even though I'm not necessarily feeling the best. What has God done that I can praise him for? And trying to find those good things, the silver lining, because I think that there's a lot of those there. So God doesn't promise an easy life, but with him we have hope. And to understand that, we have to kind of foreshadow what Andy's going to be preaching on next week with the next chapter. Um, But in 33 to 55, because he interpreted this dream correctly, Pharaoh says, You're coming up out of the prison, and I'm going to elevate you to second in command next to me. So you have this Hebrew. He's not Egyptian, and he's number two in all of the land. And Pharaoh's like, man, who who could we get to be financially reasonable and understand what to do with the seven years of grain that we're going to have, but then we're going to have seven years of famine. And Joseph gets put in charge of that, and he says, during these seven years, I'm going to make sure to take the abundance we have. I'm going to set some aside. That way, during the seven years of famine... We're setting ourselves up for success. So he's very prudent and responsible with that um, and is able to manage the grain wisely over the seven years of famine. And that's where we pick up in the final verses here of chapter 41, 56, 57. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses, all that he had stored up, and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And when I read this, it reminds me, it's really good to be consistent when you're in church, right? To try to be here as often as you can. And that's not like a, hey, be, be here, be in church. But if, you, if you've missed Genesis 39 and the, the verses that have led up to this and the story of the Hebrew people, the whole world, Joseph's family, his brothers who sold him into slavery, they are in the world right now. They're not in Egypt. 
So who's going to have to come face to face with Joseph and have her little reunion here? His family. And if you're selfish and arrogant like I am, I'd be Joseph and I'd be like, yes. (laughs) Oh, hi, brothers. Remember when you faked my death and sold me into slavery? Off with their heads. Something like that. But that's because I'm evil. All of you are good church-going people and you didn't think that way. Um, But Andy's going to share probably more on this next week. But what hope do we have as Christians? How do we see Jesus in the Old Testament? There's a biblical term called a Christ type. It's a figure who in part, or, I mean, this is pretty spot on so far with Joseph, resembles or foreshadows what Jesus is going to do. Joseph was innocent. He led a life of integrity. God was with him. He followed God in all that he did, and yet he was unjustly punished and persecuted by those who he loved and ultimately was risen out of this circumstance. The whole world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. In John 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Right? Joseph is offering to the whole world, here's grain, this is going to satisfy your hunger because you're going through a famine. I don't know if you know this. We all have a famine within us. It's this, this hunger, this starvation for something greater. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has the bread of life can fulfill all the wants and desires you have in your life. Some of you need to hear that today. Coming to church, doing your routine, and you think, I will find satisfaction and happiness in getting a promotion doing X, Y, Z. You fill in the blank for you. But the answer is Jesus. We need him. We need the bread of life who gives that freely to everyone, to everyone in the world. So would you trust him in the feast? Would you trust him in the famine and everywhere in between? Because Jesus is worthy of it. And I know we say this gospel message and it seems like I've heard it a million times, but I talked with Andy and Cody and a few before We hear this on Sundays, but do we truly believe with all of our hearts that Jesus, being eternally God, came down and took on human flesh and became one of us to live in the muck and mire of this life, to go through the tough circumstances, the hardships, the temptations, and yet he was sinless. He overcame it all. He trusted in God. He prayed to him. He followed him. He knew that he hoped in something greater. And he went to the cross died a death that he didn't deserve. He was sin-free. He did that for us, and that conquered sin. And three days later, when he resurrected, that conquered death. And if you believe that truth, that he was perfect, that he died and was resurrected three days later, and you truly accept that into your heart, and you start living with him as your Lord and Savior, you've conquered sin and death because of what he's done. And I pray and Everybody in this church who believes this wholeheartedly prays that everybody would buy into that and we would share that message with others and that we would look at life through that lens. I want to finish with going back to the clip we watched at the beginning. His son was scared of being sent away. And he got down on his knees. And what did he say to him as he hugged him? I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'll never send you away. And I think that's what people need to hear. To know that we trust a God who, when you believe in him, he's never going to cast you out. He's never going to leave you. 
no matter if you have a great season of feasting and life is good and you feel like you're connecting with him, but then life doesn't go your way and you start rebelling against him, you fall back into sin. He's still there trying to hug you, wrap you in and say, I'm your father and I love you. So what hope do we have when life throws difficult circumstances our way? We have Jesus and that's our eternal hope that he is who he says he is. He's God, he's perfect and he loves us unconditionally and he will always be there for us. So as the worship team starts coming up, I just want to encourage you, if you've never accepted that message, you have to talk to somebody about it. If you feel like your heart's on fire right now and you want to accept that, you want to know that you have hope in this life, in the presence of your tough circumstances, we're going to pray for you. And for people who know that message and you're feeling fired up about it, may we go out and share that message, the good news of the bread of life with others. So if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that even in the Old Testament we see Jesus clearly. We see his great love for us, the unconditional love that doesn't come from how hard we work or the good that we do. The only way we're saved and have hope is because of you, because you are God and because you love us and because you came down and paid the price on the cross and were resurrected. May that be the only message that we cling to and hold on to as we go and live this life. Lord, we thank you for your great love. In your name we pray.